welcome to the Domestic Fuel Cast, a podcast devoted to news and information about alternative fuels and energy. Produced and hosted by Zimcom New Media. Making the transition to a bioeconomy from an international perspective. I'm your host, John Davis. The folks at Farm Foundation have just hosted the fourth in the series of Transition to a Bioeconomy conferences, with the latest one focusing on global trade and policy issues. As usual with Farm Foundation events, the conversation included a wide variety of viewpoints on how to meet the challenges facing the U.S. and the world agriculture communities. In other words, not everyone is singing from exactly the same sheet of music, but it's these conversations from divergent perspectives that will hopefully come up with workable solutions for everyone. During the latest Farm Foundation discussion, Americans and folks from around the world got together with a big focus on biofuels, in particular ethanol and biodiesel. Wally Tyner, an energy economist with the Department of Agricultural Economics at Purdue University, says a big difference in how the U.S. and Europe sees renewable energy is illustrated in each area's mandates for biofuels. The policy that the European Union have, which is that these biofuels must meet a certain target in terms of share of total liquid fuels, that is what I call a technology-neutral policy. The government is saying, we don't care how you do it, you just got to deliver this much energy from renewable sources. In the U.S., on the other hand, we've said uh, there's a standard, a renewable fuel standard, of 36 billion gallons. It's a physical standard, not an energy share standard. That means it favors ethanol. And there are lots of second-generation technologies that go straight to biodiesel or straight to biogasoline. So the way we do it penalizes those technologies compared to ethanol. I want to make that point very clear, that we're going down a path where the government is picking technologies instead of letting the market do it. It's this difference in philosophy that is at much of the conflict between the U.S. and Europe that has led to the recent European tariffs being slapped on American biodiesel, virtually shutting the Yankee green fuel out of the European market. Laurent Javadan, with the delegation of the European Commission to the United States, explains it is Europe's basing of its renewable energy target, right now being discussed as 10% of all energy used by 2020, instead of that hard, fast number of gallons of ethanol and biodiesel the U.S. is using, makes trade a key issue when dealing with biofuels from outside of Europe. And he says even with protections on European biofuels, there's still room in that market for outside countries to provide those important feedstocks for making the green fuels. We think that the mandate is, uh, is ambitious. Uh, we don't uh, pick the winners. So we don't pick electricity or biofuels, uh, any, any type of things of that sort. But because the, the overall target is ambitious, uh, obviously trade will be part of the equation. And... Uh, it's not the intention of European countries to produce everything at home, to grow all the feedstock at home. So there will be opportunities for, um, for our trade partners, uh, Brazil and others, to actually uh, supply part of this mandate to, to Europe. And before too many Americans get too much up in arms about those European protections for their biofuels producers... Joel Velasco with the Brazilian Sugarcane Industry Association suggests we consider American tariffs on his country's ethanol product. 
What we need to be sure is that uh, whatever programs the government established, that they don't distort trade. Clearly, we're going to have to incentivize nascent industries. Uh, but as, as many of your listeners know, uh, we've, we think that uh, after 30-plus years of, of, a, of a 30% levy on, on the import of ethanol, maybe that one is time to phase that out. But nevertheless, we have a common goal of building a global biofuels market for the sake of, of our children. Velasco's sentiment is echoed by fellow conference attendee David Zilberman with the University of California, Berkeley, who points out that any country's ethanol makes life more difficult for the oil-producing exporting countries, OPEC, which held much of the world hostage last summer when oil and fuel prices skyrocketed. The prices of energy in OPEC countries is very low compared to the rest of the world. So what they do, they sell a lot of energy to their own people, and then they have less to sell to the rest of the world, but they don't worry because the price is high. So basically, the high price internationally subsidizes them. Now, how does ethanol fit in all this? The moment that you produce ethanol, you increase the supply, and you, to some extent, limit their ability to make money by having this wedge between their domestic price and the international price. In fact, Zilberman says ethanol increases the cost of oil sold within those oil-producing countries by 20%, while cutting the price of oil in countries importing petroleum by 2%. As I mentioned at the beginning, this type of conversation where many diverse viewpoints get a chance to be heard together is typical of Farm Foundation events. And it's why you should make plans to attend the final in the group's transition to a bioeconomy conference series June 30th through July 1st in Little Rock, Arkansas, when attendees discuss the role of extension in energy. I'm John Davis reporting. You've been listening to the Domestic Fuel Cast, the official podcast of DomesticFuel.com. Check out the website daily for the latest good news about the alternative energy industry. 